called to do a job, but you show up at the wrong site. That ever happened to you? Happened to David, as we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. He's called to do a specific task. In fact, he's called to be the next king of Israel. But yet, he finds himself in the company and camp of the enemy. He is the right man, but he's in the wrong place. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today, we're back in 1 Samuel chapter 27. The right man in the wrong place is the title of our message. You ever been there? We have some encouragement for you. Join us with today's broadcast. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. 1 Samuel 27. David's been on the run for 10 years. David has spared Saul twice, and you can never get at a greater moral, ethical, high water level than David's treatment of Saul. Great treatment sparing this man, knowing that God will deliver me, knowing that God's in charge of me, even when I'm in exile, even when I'm on the run from a man that uh, is going mad from satanic influence, a man that hates you, a man that is obsessed with jealousy. But God, for 10 years, has been David's hiding place. For 10 years, he's been hiding beneath the shadow of the Almighty. When the soldiers are about to get David, one time, 3,000 men, the ram's horn blows and Saul calls off the search and they go back. When he's in the cave, David could have killed him. When uh, David goes down into the camp and steals the water jug to show Saul, I could have killed you. He's coming off of this great moral behavior because he trusts God. He did things that his own men said, God's given him to you to kill, and he refuses. And then all of a sudden, distemper of the soul hits him in 27. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men settled in Gath. Does that name sound familiar? Gath is the hometown of Goliath. He's Goliath of Gath and David's going back. You know what? Goliath's mom and dad could still be alive in the city of Gath. His brothers, he had four other brothers. So he's going right back where Goliath grew up to hide from Saul. And each man had his family with him. And David had his two wives. You know, he picked up a wife from Nabal. When God killed him, he said, I can use another wife. And so now he's got two women with him. The widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Agus, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns, that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? 
So on that day, Agus gave him Ziglag, and it has belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. I want to speak on a good man in a wrong place. A good woman in a wrong place. Every time God's people intentionally moved away geographically from where he wanted them, they got into trouble. When Abraham goes into the land and he decides he's going to make a journey down to Egypt, both times he went into Egypt, he put Sarah into jeopardy. And God had to deliver her twice from her husband. She winds up in the harem. She winds up with another king. She could have been raped. She could have been violated. Anything could have happened to her while Abraham was riding out of town on a camel. He never did good in Egypt. He always compromised something. He had no business there. His nephew Lot didn't do very good by moving to Sodom. Sodom looked good. To the eyes, it was green. Everything was fine. What Lot didn't know was the morals of the city. And he moves his family into that place. He did it for prosperity. He did it not for spiritual reasons. He wanted the advantage over Abraham, his uncle. I want to go where it's well watered, where there's plenty of pasture land. I'm making an economic business move. I'm moving away from the land. I'm going to Sodom. And it cost him everything. His wife turns into salt. He loses his son-in-laws. And his two daughters have an incestuous relationship with him after the city's destroyed. He compromised himself, and yet Peter called him a righteous man who was vexed daily with the city he chose to live in. It didn't do good. Uh, Peter did not do too good when he started to warm himself by the devil's fire. And he gets over with the soldiers and a little servant of the soldiers who said, Do you know this Galilean? I don't know him. I'm now warming my hands by the enemy's fire. And in that night, three times he denied that he knew Christ. God's child, God's apostle, God's failure in that circumstance. He moved away from the Savior and started hanging out with those who hated the Savior. Didn't do good. Demas forsook me, having loved this present age. I want us to look at uh, how does a man of God get in the wrong place? How do you move? What makes you do this? And I see at least five things that David came over him that made him move away from the land of Judah, from the land of Israel, the place he should stay. God's taken care of him now for over 10 years. You don't need to go into enemy territory, but he moves into enemy territory. Why and how could he ever do it? The first thing was discouragement. He's discouraged. Uh, God, I've got these kids, these two wives, and 600 distraught men traveling with me. We're living off the land. We're hiding in caves. We don't know when Saul and the army is going to show up. I am tired of waiting for your timetable. You said I would be the king, but you didn't give me a timeline. You didn't tell me when, and it's been over 10 years. I've been running, hiding, running, hiding. I'm discouraged. A long trial can wear down your resistance. A long trial. I've seen people wait in marriage, and they would wait and wait, and it's like they had a certain place. God, I've given you long enough. I'm going to get one any way I can. 
and make wrong choices that they paid for the rest of their life, but they just couldn't wait on God. God doesn't move quick enough to suit us class A personalities. God just a little too slow for our temperament. David is discouraged and I can't blame him. But I must say this to you. Where you go when you're discouraged and who you talk to is one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life. Be careful who you run with when you're discouraged. You better look up the most godly people, the most praying people, the most biblical people. You better look for a Barnabas who can encourage you in God because you don't need to run with just anybody when you're discouraged. And David didn't have one guy in the camp that could encourage him. They were all rebel rousers. They came to David because they were in debt. They were in distress. There is no help in the guys he's running with. There's no prophet around. There's no Gad. There's no Abathar. There's no Nathan. David's out there with just he and God, but God won't be mentioned now for about two chapters because David is operating on his own scheme. He has not consulted God. Second thing about it is uh, he begins to distrust God. Uh, he just says, God, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I'm never going to be the king. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now you're reflecting on God's word, God's promises. Jonathan believes you're going to be the next king. Saul believes you're going to be the next king. Samuel said you're going to be the next king. God said you're going to be the next king. You're going to be the next king. I don't believe it. He's moved into distrust. From discouragement to distrust. He's been doing great up to now. I call these are five D's if it'll help you. Discouragement leads to distrust. Where are you? It, and, and when you get into a trial... You could forget that day when you heard the old prophet's voice saying, Son, you're the next king. God sent me down here, and I've been waiting on you. I waited for your daddy to call you out from that straggly bunch of sheep so I could tell you God has picked you to be his man. David said, No, it's not going to happen. He's discouraged, he begins to distrust God. And he consults the wrong source. In the Hebrew, he talked to his heart. He began to consult his heart. And so the plan came up from his heart. Not from a prophet. Not from God. This is what I'll do. But Jeremiah, had Jeremiah shown up, he would have given him Jeremiah 17.9. Know, O man, that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? The most deceitful thing you live with is you. You got a lying heart. Your heart is a liar. You ought to say every day when you look in the mirror, liar, liar, catch on fire. <laughs> Your heart is a liar. It is. And according to Proverbs, fools listen to their heart, but wise men listen to God. God wouldn't want me to stay in a miserable marriage. God wouldn't want me to have to be celibate. God wouldn't want me to not prosper, even if I have to steal a little bit from the company. God wants his people to prosper any way they can. It almost sounds believable. And if you lie to yourself long enough, you will believe it. 
Israel experienced this in the wilderness. It gets cold in the desert. The nights get very cold. You never think that. And a young boy in the camp in Numbers 15, he goes out and he starts picking up sticks. He's cold. One problem. It's the Sabbath. And God told Israel, keep my Sabbath. I'll give you six days to work, one to rest. But the boy goes and he collects the sticks. He's caught. They bring him to Moses. And what does Moses say? Moses says, well, you know the rule, kill him. For picking up sticks, kill him. And do this. God has revealed to me, I want you to get all the people to come around and on their robes, I want them to sew a purple or line there, right around the garment. I believe it's purple. If you look at the text. And put it on the bottom of everybody's robe. And this is the object lesson. This is what it means. Follow my commandments and not your heart. Numbers 15. That's what it said. This will be the national dress code of Israel in the wilderness. Because when you follow your heart, you break God's commandments and it'll bring death. But doesn't it, doesn't it seem rational to gather sticks when you're cold? That doesn't even seem bad when I know of the sins we do. What was your worst sin? I gathered sticks. God said, don't do it. Why did he do it? He consulted his heart. It just seemed like God wouldn't want his child to be cold. Yeah, he would. If it's on the Sabbath, you should have collected it yesterday. I gave you six days to collect wood. I told you not on the Sabbath. And they stoned him. We would have said, oh, the boy didn't mean it. Give him another chance. But this wonderful, awesome God said, kill him. I want to make a point to my people. Do what I say. Don't follow your heart. Don't create situation ethics when you get into it. Well, I feel loving. I feel good. This work. No, no, no. Don't do that. And David, he consults his heart and he works out a plan that's directly against the revealed will of God for him. God doesn't want him in the enemy camp. But he goes. Well, when he gets over there in the camp, some other things happen. Uh, why is he there? I think he's in disillusionment and disappointment. Uh, he's disappointed that the plan's not going quick enough. And that leads to his discouragement. And discouragement brings disillusionment, brings disappointment, doubt, all the deeds of the devil. It brings them all. And then I think he begins to experience uh, dementia. Uh, of the kind that he's forgetting what God has done for him. Uh, a madness takes over his mind. He, he begins to lose it. I, I don't re I'm remembering what I ought to forget, and I'm forgetting what I ought to remember. I, I'm forgetting the day I was anointed. I'm forgetting how many times I've escaped the javelin, that I've escaped the army, that I've escaped and escaped and escaped. I'm just tired of this way. If he asks God, God, I'm tired of you doing it this way. God said, wait, wait, we got into this problem this way. Israel got tired of having me for their king and they wanted a Saul. And look what's happening. Now you're getting tired of trusting me. Keep trusting me. And when you get in trials, you forget all God's already brought you through. You can forget what he's already done. Because you're saying, you know, our memory's short. Lord, I know you did something yesterday, but what are you going to do today? And he says, I have not forsaken one promise. I have not turned you over to, you don't need to go to the enemy camp to get protection. I've been protecting you for years and years and years, David, your whole life. 
Have I ever failed to protect you? Yeah, I know, but I got a better plan. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And what did it cost him? Let's look at what it did. He goes to the other camp. He goes into Agis. And all the people in the city still remember he's the Goliath giant killer. They know the song about him. But when he goes over there, he's going to have to pay a price. Rollo May said this about human beings. Man is the only animal that runs faster when he has lost his way. Man is the only human animal that runs faster once he's lost his way. You think if you go faster, even though you're misdirected, go faster, even though you're running into a wall. It's like the definition of a fanatic. He's a person who redoubles his effort once he loses sight of his goals. It's just go faster, go faster. So David's just running out there. Let's do it. You don't know that this is right. What will it cost you? Number one, he has to pretend to be somebody he's not. And if you read back in a few chapters, this is the second time he's gone over to the Philistines. Uh, back in chapter 21, um, uh, he goes over and he wants to be accepted of Agis. He's fleeing David again. And they're saying, isn't this the David that they sing about? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And David becomes afraid of the king. And so in verse 13, he pretends to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. And I love Agish. Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this guy to me? I've got enough of them. Send him back. I'm trying to find some wisdom. But here, I think of the saliva running down his beard and I contrast it with the day the anointing oil ran down his beard. When he was in the land, God anointed him. He's got to pretend to be mad. He's going to have to pretend like I'm on the Philistine side. He's giving up his identity. When you go to the enemy country and when you go behind lines, You'll have to act like something you really are not if you're truly God's child. Because behind enemy lines, you can't be singing the songs of Israel. You can't be talking about the God of Israel. They worship Dagon. They worship other gods. Don't be talking about Yahweh and Adonai. No, you'll get killed in a minute. You have to give up your God for the price of a little protection for 16 months. He goes quiet. Uh... He becomes a servant of a pagan king. Verse 5 of chapter 27, I will become your servant. I thought he'd been called to be God's servant. You can't serve two masters. But he uh, says, for the protection and for the safety, you've got me. And you know, I find out, hear me. I've seen people leave God and the first few months is like a bonanza for them. Everything's better. Because sin always pays good at the beginning. It feels good. It'll look good. Might taste good. It's just great. That, that apple tastes wonderful if that was the fruit. We've got insight we never had before. No wonder God didn't want us eating the tree. Read the next chapter. And Cain kills his brother 
Where did he get that seed to kill? He got it from his mom and dad that turned into sinners. You only got to go four chapters in the Bible to see where people kill their own physical brothers. That's not very far in the story. But when man chooses to rebel against God, it brings death. And so David sells himself, I'll be a slave. Uh, he transfers his trust from God to a king and a little city wall, the city wall of Ziglag. Everything will be safe if I run with this king and everything will be fine now that I got my family in Ziglag. I've got the protection I need. I am so glad I'm here in the enemy camp. The benefits are wonderful. But it won't take long and he'll wonder what he's doing there. I've seen believers leave God's house, leave the will of God, go after the enemy's territory, hang out where the enemy hangs out. And it reminds me of a line Bob Dylan had in one of his old songs that went this way. What's a lady like you living in a dump like this? I found some of God's people. I go down and said, what are you living among hogs for? What are you running with a crowd that hates Christ? What are you doing running with a crowd that, uh, you know, we all got to work in a world that's not saved, but it's different than running with them for your fellowship and running with them for your protection. You, we are in the world, but we are not of it. I, I'm aware of that. So geographically, we're all thrown together in the present configuration of the church. But there's something inside of us. When you put, pick up that internet and they're advertising pornography, you can make a trip into enemy territory that you don't need to be in. You make the choice. You know what's behind enemy lines. More flesh. And if you pile flesh up a mile high, it's all going to rot. But you make a trip. You know you've been fighting alcohol all of your life. When are you going to quit going by the same bar see if you've got the strength to pass it? Why don't you just admit you don't and drive two miles around it? You know you're a thief and a liar by your old habits. Stay away from the till. Stay away from the money. Stay away from the stuff in the business where you can steal. Stay away from it. Don't go into the enemy lines. I don't care what all the guys on the job say. Rip off the boss. He's not here. Why don't you say, I serve a different boss? Well, he becomes a deceiver and a liar in chapter 27 because he starts raiding in the south, in the Negev, and he keeps telling the king, I'm killing off folks, but he never tells them really who he's killing off. He's killing off the enemies of Israel, but Oagus, the one providing him protection, he, he thinks he's down there killing off the enemies of the Philistines. David at heart is an Israelite. He's fighting against the enemies of God down there, but he has to lie to the king and be duplicitous about his activity. When you run with the enemy, you'll have to learn to be a good liar and a good pretender because you've got to hide your identity. They won't want you around for long. Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. You're listening to Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us this morning. It's our prayer that our time together has done just that, encouraged you in your relationship with Christ, bolstered you up for the day. 
If you would like to review today's broadcast, copies are available when you contact us. We also have the series today's message was taken from, other resource materials available as well, the recent books authored by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. They can all be found at our website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available there, other CDs and series as taught by Pastor Phil Howard recently here at Valley Bible Church. Again, they're all found at our store online, valleybible.org. If you wish to speak with someone directly, call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you'd like to know where we meet for worship, service times, directions, location, it can all be found at our website, valleybible.org, and we would love to see you. Please consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship if you're not involved in a church near you. Again, directions can be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855 855- 833-9864. And again, we mention it from time to time, it bears repeating, as TFT sustainers, financial partners with the radio broadcast, you ensure the continuation of this broadcast here on KFAX. Would you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially? And then call us. Let us know that you're interested in becoming a TFT sustainer. We'll pass along our quarterly newsletter to you, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. The weekly video devotional will be available as well. Again, valleybible.org for more information or call 855-833-9864. No gift is too large or too small. We'd love to hear from you. Call us today and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard.